and let's all stand together to worship this morning. you 
Well, amen. That is so true this morning. The love of Christ can lift your heart. And I hope that you've met him this morning. We're so glad that you're here. We want to say welcome to Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. It's a joy to have you with us today. And I want to say a special word of welcome to any of you that are our guests, especially our first-time guests. If you're visiting with us today, uh, we would certainly appreciate it. If you would take one of our Connect cards, you'll find those in the pew in front of you, uh, just in the back of the pew. If you'll pick one of those up and, and uh, fill that out and just let us know that you were here, we'd like to have a record of you being with us today. If you have a special prayer need, any of you that have a prayer request or anything that our staff could pray with you about, uh, we would certainly be honored to do that. And you can just write that on that card. And if you'll drop it off out in the uh, one of our foyers, uh, out in the offering containers as you leave, uh, we will be glad to pray for you tomorrow during our staff uh, meeting. So, uh, again, we're delighted to have you this morning. We want to say welcome. We love you here. And uh, we hope that your spirit is lifted uh, in the with the love of Christ because you're here this morning with us. Uh, I want to encourage you to this morning as we uh, share a time of giving together and uh, we're, uh, we're, our offering uh, containers are out in the foyers and so uh, hopefully you've brought your tithes and your offerings this morning as a part of your worship experience and we want to give as God has so richly blessed us. We want to be faithful in the area of stewardship and uh, bringing our tithes and offerings to the storehouse as the scripture teaches and commands us to do. And we want to make that a part of worship, and we do that. We want to pray and ask God's blessings on our time of giving this morning. And if you haven't uh, dropped your offerings off already, uh, you may want to text to give. You can do that by texting uh, LLBC to 73256, or you can give online through our website at lindsaylane.org. But again, we hope and pray that uh, God will honor and bless all that we bring to him. And we'll glorify and magnify him so that others can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to pray over our offering this morning and our giving throughout this week and just ask God's blessings upon it. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you again for allowing us the privilege and the opportunity to come to your house to worship. Father, the truth of the song that we just sang, that love lifted us. It's the spirit of Christ's love in each and every one of us. It lifts our hearts. And Lord, as we come before you this morning to continue our time of worship, Father, we do that through our giving, and we pray that you would take the tithes and offerings that we bring, that they would honor you, that they would magnify the name of Jesus, and that they would work for the good of others so that they could come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So God, bless our time of giving. Bless the offerings, multiply it, and use it. For your honor and glory. Continue now with us now as we worship together. As we continue to sing and lift up the name of Christ. As we hear your servant stand before us and bring the word. God, just have your will and your way in this place this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing about the power of Christ. There's nothing absolutely nothing that our God cannot do. I hope you believe that this morning.
nothing, amen, nothing that our God can't do. I tell you what, I am so thankful that because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that one day I will rise when he calls my name, amen. There's a peace I've come to know, though my heart and flesh may fail, there's an anchor for my soul, I can say it is well, Jesus has overcome. The grave is overwhelmed. The victory is won. He is risen from the dead, and I will rise when He calls my name. No more sorrow, no more pain. I will rise.
Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 1. As you are turning there, I want to remind you of a few things that are upcoming. Uh, One, the first Sunday in October is our Give to Go missions offering. It's also our mission celebration. We hope to see you there and hope you are praying about uh, what to contribute towards that offering that is so important as it funds our missions budget for the next year. Two, I'd like to tell you about Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights we are following up Sunday mornings by continuing to teach uh, on, on spiritual disciplines. And spiritual disciplines, as we'll talk about in just a moment, are those practices that are in Scripture that are repeated, that are exemplified, that are instructed over and over, and how those spiritual disciplines will lead to a closer walk with God. And so I hope that you'll join us Wednesday night for that. And then I also uh, want to, to open our service with prayer as we are going to talk about reading our Bibles this morning. Amen? We're going to talk about reading our Bibles, reading them personally and not just corporately. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to us. Spirit of God, would you preside over this time and guide us into all truth. We are not left here to wander by ourselves, God. We are here to hear from you. Lord, and we are given your word as a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Lord, we need to hear from you today. Pray, O God, that you would sharpen us, that you would challenge us, you would change us, and that we would take serious and take with joy the instruction to stay close to your word. Lord, everything we say today 
and sing today is based out of your scripture. So Lord, wherever we are, whatever we have going on, we pray, oh God, that our hearts and minds would stop to be open to your truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If our purpose is together for the glory of God and the good of man, then we must know who God is, what God values, and what God says about people. Well, just so happens that God has not hidden himself from us. He, in fact, has revealed himself to us, especially through the person of Jesus and through Scripture. If you want to know what God is like and what God values, you can open up your Bibles and you can follow the person of Jesus Christ. If spiritual disciplines are regularly practiced, they are what is repeated, instructed, or exemplified in Scripture, then reading Scripture itself is one of the spiritual disciplines that will be found at the top of the list. The, the message in, is called Bible Intake, as it is within this series that all three campuses, Lindsay Lane, Maine, North, and East, are going through as we are studying together spiritual disciplines that we practice individually to contribute to the ministry of the corporate body. Once I have read the following, said, The greatest tragedy among Christians today is that too many of us are under the Word of God together, but not in it for ourselves. Christian, read your Bible. Read it together and read it by yourself so that you may mature and minister. Study to show yourself approved. An approved worker who can rightly divide the word of truth, the truth of God's word. Read your Bible. And that's a message if you are 8 or if you are 80. If you are a child in here and you are saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, start reading your Bible. If you hadn't started yet and you're 85 and you're getting close to going on in, pick up your Bible and read it. Read the Scripture. I don't know what you've got going on, but everybody's got something going on. Prioritize time to hear from God in His Word so that you may mature and minister to people. The way that you can get started is first to trust God, that God did not create an algebra problem for you to figure out. And thank God Almighty He did not. But trust God that if you can read, you can study. And if God has put His Word in front of us, His revelation, His special revelation in front of us, the first place to start before we ever think about asking questions about how to and how do I put all this together, you trust that God made it in such a way that when you study it and the role of the Holy Spirit of God is to guide you into truth, when you open up and read it, you can understand it. That's the first place that you start. Most of the time, we don't understand it because we don't want to understand it. We don't want to take the time to understand it. The truth is, if I'm being preachy, is that we can get a YouTube video and it'll break down how to tear apart a car engine and put it back together. And we'll study that. But the Bible's too hard. God has not made it to be so difficult that we cannot be taught it so that we cannot learn God's truth and His revelation he has put it together and given us the God that is the Holy Spirit. And the Scripture says the role of the person of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into all truth. And then if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and if the Bible itself, when Jesus prayed in John 17, 17, teach them your word, which is truth, 
you are going to find the Holy Spirit of God that lives in you, guiding you towards Jesus and the Bible. So trust on the front end that God is working to teach you what he values so that you may mature and minister together for the glory of God and the good of man. But because the Bible is deep and it's full of truth, and it's full of history, and it's written in different ways, there are things that help. And not assisting the Holy Spirit, but to make a way for our minds to receive the teaching that is truth. There are approaches, there are simple processes that, that we can put in place to study Scripture so that we can understand and know the mind and the truth of God. One of the easiest things to do, as we've talked about, is to read a passage of Scripture and ask two basic questions. What does this teach us about God, and what does this teach us about people? Start there, and write it down, and make a list, and make a note. Another approach that's very simple is read, reflect, respond. Read, reflect, respond. Read a passage, take it in, and pray over it, and ask God to make it plain to you, and then write down the application. But going even further than that, as we study Psalm 1 today together, and we are going to see that a delight in God's Word makes the difference, I'm going to give you three questions to ask every time you read the Bible that will help you. And these are not three that I've come up with. I can give you the source on it after if you'd like. But three questions that you can ask every time you read the Bible that will help you to understand what the Spirit of God is teaching you that is true. So turn to, turn to Psalm chapter 1. We'll read this entire thing, which is six verses, and then we will ask these questions. And it's on my heart today to tell you, if you're a student, if you're a teenager in here today, you know, when I really began to read the Word of God for myself and God really began to speak to me and grow me was when I was a teenager. So, again, we can make all these excuses about our time. We can make all these excuses about what we've got going on that maybe we're too busy. Sit down and let God teach you, talk to you. Psalm chapter 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. Meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along riverbanks, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment, and sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction." Lord Jesus, will you please make this so plain that we can pick it up and take it home with us and live it out this week? And Lord, that you would speak over and above what fills our mind that takes away from the truth of your word. God, we love you and we thank you for loving us and making a way for us to be right with you. Lord, would you stir the hearts of the church to value what you value? In Jesus' name, amen. Three questions. Three questions that will help you study the Bible. Number one is, what do I see? Number two is, what does it mean? Number three is, how does it work? Number one, what do I see? What does it mean? Number two, and number three, how does it work? When we read Psalm chapter one and we ask the question, what do I see? This is a base question for studying the scripture as a spiritual discipline. You are studying the facts of what is written. Take it a little bit further, you will study key words, words that add to the certainty of the Scripture. You will, wor you will study the structure of how it is written. You will study the literary form because not all of the Scripture is a narrative. Some of it's 
wisdom language and written in poetry. Some of them are letters written from one Christian leader to another, and all of that helps to understand what the point of God's Word is in context. When we see in Psalm 1, or what we see in Psalm 1 is comparison and contrast, and most of what we see is contrast. This is the Bible telling us that there are two different kinds of people going down two different kinds of paths and two different kinds of destinations. There are the godly and the ungodly. The godly and the wicked. The righteous and the unrighteous. This is the two people that God's Word is contrasting in Psalm chapter 1. And the Bible says that the godly are safe. The Bible says that the godly are rooted. They are positioned and fixed and they will not be found wavering. The Bible teaches in Psalm 1 that the wicked are condemned, that the wicked are wavering back and forth, in and out. And the comparisons, if we're looking at comparison and contrast, the thing that is a comfort comfort this morning in comparison is that all of these people are people, number one. The godly and ungodly are people, which means, number two, that they are eligible for redemption. That's the comparison. That Jesus died on the cross for the sins of those who would believe and he died on the cross for those who would reject him. They are eligible for redemption. There are these two people, those that would live for the Lord Jesus Christ because they know that he paid the price for them to make heaven and those who would live for themselves, the godly and the ungodly. But in contrast, it's only the godly that are safe. And they are not safe because they've worked their way to heaven. They are safe because of the Lord. The wicked are condemned because of their own path. They make a way for themselves. And one thing that we see in the Scripture all the time is ourselves. That's one of the reasons, church, you need to read the Bible on your own. Teenagers are one of the reasons why you need to read it on your own. College student, senior adult, and everybody in between because it shows us who we are. In the book of James, the Bible compares the Word of God to a mirror. And the mirror shows you, you. It shows you who you are. It tells the truth about who you are, what's out of place, what needs to be adjusted, what's out of shape. The mirror tells you what is true. It is there for the purpose of adjustments. In the book of James, it talks about you look in the mirror, you see yourself, and then you walk away unchanged. It would be like looking in the mirror, seeing that you have a black speck all in your teeth, smiling and going, uh, and then walking away and not getting a toothbrush. You see, the the Word of God is, is a mirror, and it's there so that we are reflecting not our image as it is, but the image of Christ and all of His holiness. You've seen these filters on social media. I don't know if you've seen these. Some of these filters on social media, basically, you apply it to your image, and it generates this, basically, this computerized image that that tries to take away all of your flaws. Like, it cleans you up so much that you would post it, and people are supposed to believe that that's the real you. Y'all listen to me. Image-altering features don't alter your security. You hear that? Image-altering features do not alter your security about yourself, your confidence about yourself. 
Listen, there's nothing wrong with self-care, but listen to me. There's nothing wrong with you. The way that God created you. When you study the Scripture, what you're going to find out is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's the way that God created you. If other people don't like that and love that, then shake the dust off your feet and move on. Drop that zero and pick yourself up a hero, amen? I don't want my wife to have a filtered image. I want to look at my wife just as she is. She's beautiful. I don't need any computer to tell me otherwise, and she doesn't need a computer to tell her otherwise. It's a filtered image. It, it's giving you this, this sense of false security that's not even real, but yet we apply it because we have these insecurities, and we want to see ourselves in a, in a better light, when the truth is we have the light of God's Word, the ultimate authority that God at the end of the day would say, I say you are this, nobody tops what I say, not even the way that you feel. Trust what God says about you. But you should also know that when you study God's Word, God is not going to mock you on the outside. Did you hear that? God's not going to write ugly comments about you on the outside. But He's going to tear you apart on the inside. He's going to let you know real quick who you are in your heart before Him. And that's not my opinion. That's what the Bible says about itself, that it cuts between soul and spirit. It cuts between joint and marrow exposing, it exposes our innermost thoughts, what our real motives are. It exposes all of our desires, what we really want at the end of the day. And the Bible says nothing in all creation is hidden from God, nothing. The Bible says everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. It's God that we are accountable. His word will tell you who you are, but it will not filter it. Because he will also tell you who you are not. And we represent him. We represent the standard of God. We represent the call to holiness that he has put in our life. This is why we have to read it for ourselves. Y'all listen to me. This is why we have to send it across cultures. This is why we give to send out people and to send out literature and to send out scripture translation and to send out Bibles so that other people may know the truth about God and themselves. That we are messed up, man. That's who we are. We have things that go on inside of our heart and mind that nobody knows about. We are so bent against God and so leaning towards ourselves. And that's so bad news. But when that word of God speaks, it's going to tell you the good news. The gospel that God saves That he knows exactly who you are, which is why he sent his son. He gave of himself so that you could be forgiven of your sin. And not rely upon yourself for the, for the things you think you need to be because Jesus is that for you. And that's hope. That's good news. And that's what I need to hear. That's what you need to hear. And that's what people from here to all over the world need to hear is the truth of God's Word. This is why we teach it, why we make disciples out of it. This is the mirror for all people. And together with His Spirit will reveal to us the the real image. No filter. The real image. So as we read in Psalm 1, we see the contrast of the godly and ungodly. That's what we see when you ask the question, what do I see? Let me ask you a question. Knowing that Psalm 1 features the godly and the ungodly, when you read what we just read, 
who do you see in the mirror? Who do you see in the mirror of Scripture? What does it show you about who you are? Because the thing is, is when you look in the mirror of Scripture and you see the godly and the ungodly, can I tell you what? Usually, I don't know about usually, but I would just say this. Oftentimes, the godly see themselves as the wicked, and the wicked see themselves as the godly. Because the godly know exactly who they are. They're only godly because God says so. They're only godly because of Jesus, because of what he did for them. The wicked will think that their way is right, and nobody can tell them about anything else. That based on what they have concluded themselves, no matter what God even himself says, I am on the right track. And, and when we think about the meaning of words, the wicked, y'all, when we read the word the wicked and even give it a synonym as the ungodly, we often think that that is a vile, cruel sinner that does things that we never do. No, it's basically just those that will go their own way. We just call it the wicked, and all of a sudden we're like, ew, that sounds worse than what I am. No, that's exactly what we all are apart from God. Wicked. So when you look at yourself in the mirror... What do you see? The second question to ask when you study Scripture is, what does it mean? And what does it mean, y'all listen to this, when you study the Bible and ask the question, what does it mean? What does it mean is always found in the text. It's always found in Scripture. Either behind it or in front of it or right directly in it. And what I'm driving at is that the ultimate meaning is not up to you, it's up to God. Therefore, whatever you feel that day, and you have to be careful of this when we post every single scripture that we read, and I'm not speaking to anybody specifically. I don't look at it that close, I promise you. But it, whatever we feel, if we are going to the Word to match whatever we feel, you've got to be careful with that. Because the meaning of God's Word is whatever God says it is, not how you feel that day. Keep in mind... That, that God has put this all together as a grand story of Scripture that, that is leading to the redemption of man through Jesus Christ and the glory of God who is our creator, savior, and sustainer. That is the big picture. So how does what you are reading fit in with the grand story of Scripture? That's how you ask and answer what does it mean. Now when you read Psalm chapter 1, you may determine that dedicating yourself to the law of God, if you just read verse 2 alone. If you read verse 2 and it says, But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. So, if you read verse 2 out of context and, and think about how you feel and what this says, and you ask the question, what does it mean, and don't read anything else, you may say to yourself, what this means is, if I will delight myself in the Word, and I will think about it all day long and all night long, I'll be rescued. I'll be saved. Well, that's not what it means. You don't delight yourself in God's instructions and think about it all the time to be saved. You do that because you are. See, there's a difference there, and, and you have to know the whole story of Scripture in order to know that and read it in context and ask and answer the question of what does it mean, and you can do that. Y'all, sometimes I think, I'm serious, sometimes I think people think what I do is I have this miraculous mind that I will open up the Bible once and the light will shine off the pages. <laughs> we have to study, don't we? We have to study the Word of God. We have to dig in just like you have to dig in. We have to ask the questions, what does it mean? And we have to go in and look at the grand story of Scripture. Did you know that the people of Israel could not live up to the law? They never could, nor could their kings. 
The Pharisees, who often kept the law to the strictest of adherence, their hearts were wrong most all the time. Delighting in the law of the Lord does not mean reading to be rescued. Delighting in the law of the Lord means that you are delighting in that Jesus has fulfilled the law that you cannot keep yourself. Delighting in the law of the Lord means that you acknowledge that Jesus is the living word of God. That he himself is the way, the truth, and the life. The the message of scripture is that he is the solution to the problem of sin. Not the adherence to scripture, but that you have believed what God said about how to be saved. He is the revelation. Jesus is the way to God. He is the fulfillment of the godly. We are godly because he is God. So this is not a dedication to God's word to be saved. This is a dedication to God's word because you are saved. And we delight in the law of the Lord. And the law of the Lord just means any of the instructions of God. The revelation instructions of God. The meaning of in chapter 1. When we ask the question of what does it mean. In chapter 1, there is a distinguished difference between the righteous and the wicked. If you ask the question, well, what's the difference between those who are godly and those who are ungodly? What does it really look like in life? Verse 2 is a critical verse because verse 2 isn't like all the others because it's not comparing the godly and the ungodly. It's telling you what distinguishes them. And verse 2 says this, But they, meaning the godly, delight in the law of the Lord and then meditate on it. Day and night. What does this passage mean? It means that God's word has no place for the wicked and ungodly. Can I tell you something, y'all? I know in, in in a crowd of people like this, there's at least a handful that hadn't had any thought to what I've said yet. I'm serious. Somebody made you come. Or you're here because you think you ought to be. Nothing going on in your heart. You're definitely going your own way. You look in here, you see yourself as wicked, not because anybody told you, but the Spirit of God is revealing to you that you go your own way, you live your own life all the time. And the promise will not cover you. Gosh. That's sobering. Isn't it sobering? God's Word has no place to the wicked. No place to the ungodly. You see, for the righteous, though, for those who are right with God, this is not about whether we're interested or not. It's not about whether or not we, we, we you know, I don't know if I want to read the Scripture today. It's not, it's not based on that. It's a desire. It's a desire that is based on the consideration inside your soul of who you are and who you used to be and what God did for you. What does this passage mean? Verse 2. Verse 2 says, they delight in the law of the Lord. They delight. Think about that. I don't know of many conversations that I've ever had with anybody, I've used the word delight. When I think about the word delight, I think to myself two things. Number one, I think, I don't know that I ever use this word in conversation as it is very descriptive about something that we favor. And number two, I think about cream delight. (laughs) I think about the ice cream parlor. And by the response, you think about that too. That's what you do. Um, and for, for those of you that are out of town, or are from out of town, and you've not lived here a minute, or you've not lived here long at all, Cream Delight is an ice cream parlor that has been around since the Civil War, I think. I mean, it's, uh, if you go there in the summertime, you'll see lines of people that are going to get, as my grandmother called them, cones of cream. She didn't call them ice cream cones. 
One of my favorite summertime memories as a kid was when my family would drive up to the local softball field here in town. At that time, there was only one, and we called it the Wabaho. And the reason we call it the Wabaho is because it was behind the Wabaho gas station. So I have no idea what that field is called. I, we've always called it the Wabaho. And we used to love to go up there during the week, and we would watch my dad play slow-pitch softball, church league softball. But, and that was fun, but the most fun part for my sister and me was, was really and truly not going to the softball games. It was what we thought might happen after the softball games, which is to drive from the Wabaho to Cream Delight. <laughs> we thought to ourselves, all the way over, I sure hope, because we were asking, can we go to Cream Delight? Can we go get ice cream after? And some, one of my, my most favorite summertime memory is like tailgate of the truck. It's hot and we're eating ice cream and Got dirt and stuff all over uniforms. Just kids and families hanging out. Man, it was just Americana, man. It was great. And I remember being there and going to there, and, and we would think about it before we actually went to the game, during the game, and after the game. You could almost taste it before you got there. But y'all, not every time did we go there. Not every single time Dad played softball did we always go to Cream Delight. In fact, sometimes we were told no, and we didn't go. Listen to the connection that I'm making. To delight is to desire something valuable to the point that you want it, you'll get it, and you'll be glad you did, and you'll be disappointed if you didn't. So think about what the Word of God is saying. But they delight in the law of the Lord. They want it, and they'll get it, and they'll be disappointed if they don't. You know, the truth is, I really believe this. I believe if you're a Christian for real, if you're a Christian for real, I really believe the Spirit of God draws us to the Word of God. And I believe we'll want it. And when we want it, we'll get it. And when we get it, we'll be glad we did. And even if we don't, we know we ought to have. And even if we don't, we'll regret not getting it. But y'all, don't unconnect or disconnect your spiritual wires to the point of where you've gone without the Word long enough, you think you can drive this thing by yourself. Don't get to the point where you've disconnected your desire that God is always working within us to study the truth, the word of life, the very thing that we need the most, the very thing that we need to hear in all of our wanderings, in all of our fears, in all of our decisions, what God would drive us to is the word. And we avoid it. I truly believe if we are in Christ, we will at least have the desire to be in his word. Christian, read your Bible. Pick up your Bible and begin to read it. And ask questions and ask questions like, what does it mean? There's a Spirit of God pull towards the truth. And then it says, meditating on it day and night. You know, meditating is not a word you have to leave out of Christianity. You can say the word meditation in Christianity. The reason why we don't is because we often think of meditation as, as some sort of Eastern practice that's relative to clearing the mind and dumping everything out of our head and there's no judgment here you're not going to get that when you read the word of God I'm going to tell you right now because when you meditate on the word of God it's not about clearing your mind it's about filling your mind and when you fill your mind with the word of God sometimes there's going to be judgment there and thank God for that whom the Lord loves he disciplines Kids, when, when your parents get on to you, we need to be more afraid of when they don't. They discipline because they love. The Word of God 
picks us apart because we are drawn to the Savior who is holy and we are to represent Him in everything that we do. Meditating is not, is not us-centered. It is God-centered. And just as we've heard and read otherwise before, when we read the Scriptures, we don't really read the Scriptures. The Scriptures read us. Joshua said in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, Study this book of instruction continually and meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. There's like this, this pondering, this pondering, this consideration of God's Word all the time. And as you read it over time, you really will begin to ponder it every time. The last question to ask, is how does it work? How does it work? This is the application part. This is the how does it work for me? This is how does it work for others? In Psalm chapter 1, how do we grow to this place where we are consistently and joyfully following Jesus and not the world? How do we get to this place where we are rooted and fruitful and spiritually successful, where our lives we would be considered godly? When people think of us, they would think of godliness. It works when we see everything through the lens of Scripture. That's how it works. What do I see? What does it mean? How does it work? It works when we see everything through the lens of Scripture. When we delight upon the law of the Lord and meditate on it for every area of our lives. Every area. And by everything, if you look at what's covered in verse 1 through verse 6, what you're going to find are three things. You're going to find relationship to start with. Think about what verse 1 says. Oh, the joy of those who don't follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. If you are thinking to yourself, because not everybody in here is already in a relationship. Like you've not clicked the thing on Facebook that says in a relationship and status is complicated, whatever, I don't know. I can't even speak the social media language sometimes. But not everybody in here is in the same context. Not everybody in here is, is married and kids. There's a lot of people in here that are single and they are open to a relationship. There's a lot of young folks. There's a lot of college kids and there's people that are in different work environments. And they're around different kinds of people that they have relationships with. There are people in here that have difficult family relationships. And so what we see in the Scripture is, here is how to see these relationships through the lens of Scripture. Because God's Word teaches us that. The joy of those who don't follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. If you don't do it, you'll have joy. You'll have happiness and satisfaction that you did what God told you to do. If you do join in with those things or stand around with those things or join in with mocking, you'll, you'll be not glad that you didn't do it or that you, that you did do those things with these folks. See, we read it together and figured that out all together. Now, be careful to read this, though, in the context of all Scripture because when you read verse 1, you'll be going on Christian cruises and nothing else. You'll be separating yourself from the world so much that you won't be around lost people. Y'all tell me something. How are lost people supposed to get saved if we're not around lost people? I need, I need more amens from that. You can separate yourself so much to the point of you forgot what it was like to be lost yourself. How are we supposed to reach a community, a generation, a world around us if everybody we hang out with all the time is saved? So, no, it, it doesn't mean that, that you are 
separating yourself from all people. It's a call not to go their way. Read that in the Scripture. It's a call not to stand around with them. It's a call to not follow their advice. It's a call to not join in with them. It's not a call to separate. It's a call to influence. You delight yourself in the law of the Lord. You meditate on it day and night. All of a sudden, you start standing around these folks, and there's light in the room. There's salt in the room. You're seasoning. It's making a difference. People are asking you questions. They're thinking you're weird. To God be the glory. Salt goes out of the shaker onto something that needs it. How will we reach people if we're trying our best to avoid people? Again, this is not a call to separate. It's a call to, to not go their way. To not go the way of those who do not fear God, who never factor God in, who follow the lead of themselves or the world. If you're impressionable, if you're not influential, if you're still growing, you need to watch who you hang out with. You know, I've heard it said before, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Who are you hanging out with? Who are you dating? You need to think about these things. Nah, they can't influence me. They can't. Well, I guess God needs to take that part out of there then. So you would think this is only geared towards like teenagers, but adults, we need to hear that. Dating relationships, professional relationships, your weekend friends relationships. Can you bring your crew from Saturday night into Sunday morning? Y'all can all go to church together Sunday just as well as you can Saturday night. Adults, I'm not talking to teenagers. When we grow up, we need to put childish things away from us. Come on. We're, we're to be the, how are we to be the example for the generation to follow us when we're going to do something that we tell them to do? We're going to do the opposite of that. They're not going to buy that. So God's Word is going to speak to every area of our life. It's going to speak to our, our relationships. It's also going to speak to our position, the things that we stand on. Have y'all seen the video of the lady at the Trump rally? Y'all seen that when she said, I, this is not my notes, so Lord have mercy, I'm taking a holy risk. She said it's, she thinks it's time that the Lord is dividing the sheep and the goats. Some of y'all are laughing already because you saw it. The guy asking her the question said, which one are you? She said, well, I'm a goat because I'm not a sheep following somebody else's direction. So you a goat. Because if you read your Bible, that's not the side you want to be on. Y'all, it's hilarious. It's dangerous. The, the circle I run in, I was thinking to myself, if I'm her pastor, she's getting a call from me real quick. Come on in and let's talk about this discipleship thing. Our positioning. We, we, we'll just take the Word of God and just affirm our position. We don't even know what it means. Y'all, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just a little fired up on this part. They are like trees planted along the riverbank. The contrast... And see, all of us, some of us, all we heard then was Trump rally. That's all we heard. They are like trees planted along the riverbank. The contrast is they are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. God's Word will tell you what to think in all circumstances, y'all. Whatever circumstance, situation you find yourself in, and we all got them, 
God's Word will tell you how to think and what position to take within that situation. And when you have that, it's a peace. And there's a production. That's what the Word says. They're planted like trees along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Christians often produce fruit of ministry in seasons of suffering. Like we've all benefited to watch somebody faithfully go through a chapter in their life. If we're being honest, we're glad we're not in it. But they've showed us how to do it. And so this is, when we're rooted in God's Word, it's, it's because trees planted along the riverbank are deeply rooted. When they're deeply rooted, they have a source supply. They are always fruitful. In contrast, the ungodly, the, the chaff, the husks, they're not fruitful. They're not fruit. And, and they're worthless coverings that are thrown away, cast aside, dried out, blown around whichever way the wind blows. This past week, my son and I were, were riding in the truck together. You know, sometimes it's good to have intentional conversations when you're riding in the truck, right? Good time to pray in the truck with your eyes open. And, and this time we had to talk about a very grown-up subject. We had to talk about something that happened in recent weeks that invokes a lot of dis- decision and emotion and consequence. And y'all, some, some of the things that we face in life are very difficult to understand. But even within that conversation, my teaching and response to my son was not, I don't know. And the reason for that, and I, again, I, I'm telling you this not in vanity but with sincerity. The reason for that is because my worldview is not tossed around like blades of grass after I've just cut the grass. You ever watch blades of grass after you've, you've cut the grass and, and the wind blows through? It just blows them every which way. No, no, no. For those who delight themselves in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night and are in Christ, we will stand solid because we are rooted like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And not only will we stand, we'll be prosperous, spiritually prosperous. We'll help others to stand the same way. It's fixed upon the truth of God's Word. So so the world sees that fixed in that position. And not only does it help us in relationships and in our positioning, but it also assures us of promise. This is the hope, the hope that we expect in verse 6 as we close. And the Bible says in verse 6, For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Another good question to ask when we read the Scripture is, is there a promise to claim? You can ask all, just ask questions. That's how you learn. Another good question to ask is, is there, is there a promise to claim? Verse 6 is a promise, y'all. Verse 6 says, the Lord watches over the path of the godly. The godly are those that are not righteous themselves. The godly are those that are righteous because they have trusted the righteous one. They have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Our, our efforts can only go so far. God is the only one that can declare you this position. God is the only one that can make it so where you are the godly for him to watch over. And that was through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right, righteous with God through Christ. There is no right with God outside of Jesus. And that's the promise though. 
Like we see that sometimes as exclusive. Exclusive. The gospel is the most inclusive thing that there is. You just got to be saved on God's terms. Well, what are those terms? How about you're a sinner and he gave his son to die for you. You okay with that? He laid down his son's life to cover over your sin. And he would ask you to turn from your sin and repentance and place your faith, your confiding trust in Jesus Christ. That is godliness. In contrast, the path of the ungodly is not under the oversight of God. Did you hear that? Sobering. The path of the ungodly is not under the oversight of God. There's not that covenant covering when we are apart from God and remaining within ourselves in our sin. I noticed when studying this that the path, y'all, I love this, the path of the ungodly features a destination. Did you see that? The path of the wicked leads to destruction, but the path of the godly doesn't feature a destination. It doesn't say, it doesn't say heaven. Do you know why that is? Because it doesn't matter where you go. God is with you. What a promise. When you, are, when you are in Christ, it doesn't matter where you go, God is with you. When you are in his presence, everything is well. As you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you shall fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort you because God is over you. God is with you. If you are the godly and you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you have turned from your sin and turned to God, you have the promise of his oversight forever. And one pastor said it better than I did. He said, a dungeon with Christ is a throne. A throne without Christ is a hell. Man, that's so good. What do you see? What does it mean? How does it work? There is a contrast between those who revere God and those who live for themselves. What does it mean? It means that the lifestyle difference between the two is how each appreciate or ignore the Word of God. The third question was, how does it work? It works when we see everything through the lens of Scripture. If you find yourself, when you look in the mirror of God's Word and you think, I'm on the ungodly side and I know it, I'm just being honest, this is what the Bible says in Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. That is good news. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. We need the spiritual discipline of Bible intake. We need more of the Word of God. We need to ask those questions that matter. We need to hear God's Word for us, not just on Sundays and Wednesday nights and during groups on Sunday morning, we need to hear God's word every day and meditate on it day and night. I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads with me. I want you to think for just a second. When you open the, the mirror that is the word of God and you see that there is the godly and that there is the unrighteous, who do you see? And the scripture at the end says to turn from ourselves and to turn to God, which is also found in Acts. And because God has made a way through the blood, sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ, we can be saved. We can be rescued from death and separation and hell. Because God made a way for your good and for his 
glory. Forgiveness is available for you. So right now where you are in the quietness of your own seat, this is the invitation today. Would you call upon the name of the Lord right now? If you find yourself in the mirror of Scripture that you're on the ungodly side, would you call upon the name of the Lord right now? The best way you know how, with the desire to turn from sin and turn to God and believe Jesus is your forgiveness. Call on Him right now. Call on Him to be saved right now. If you have, just let us know. Please, we give an invitation. Walk this aisle. Walk this aisle. Catch a pastor up here. Be done with yourself and make that first firm step and come up here and talk to us. But you also may want to catch us at the, at the doors on the way out and tell us, I, I made a decision today. I called on the Lord to be saved today. That's all you got to say. We'll take it from there. But y'all, if we are on the godly side, we must yield to the Spirit's draw for the Word. I know I need more of God's Word in my life, and I know we all do. Lord, as we think about the next steps today that you're working up within our heart, we need to join the church so we can study the Word of God together. We need to be baptized because it's found in the Scripture that we need to be baptized for obedience sake. Or Lord, if we just need to repent from where we are and to turn to you, I pray in the name of Jesus that your spirit would have his way in all of us. Lord, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, O Lord, for when we don't feel that we are worth it, you say we are. God, we love you. And pray, O God, that you would grow us and mature us so that we may minister in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. This altar is open for you. Seated above, enthroned in Destined to die, poured out for all mankind. God's only Son, perfect and spotless one. And He never sinned, but suffered as if He
Amen. Amen. You can be seated for just a moment. Thank you for being here today. The invitation is never over as we, uh, we are always here if you need to talk with us about a decision you made before the Lord. And uh, before we uh, get to the announcements, we have a quick video and uh, we'll take it on out. Hi, I'm Abby Broadway. And I'm Suzanne Johnson. We just went on a medical mission trip in August 2021 to the city of Rescue in Brazilau Village, Comitán, Guatemala. I chose to go on this mission trip because there was a need and I wanted to help in any way I could. In 2014, I joined the medical team from Lindsay Lane in the hopes of bringing love and compassion to a needy people group using the talents that God had given me. I really enjoyed going on the mission trip and it taught me to step outside of myself and see people through Jesus' eyes. It's my chance to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a different way. I was impacted the most during our trip by the extent of how different their way of living was compared to ours. I was impacted by the lack of proper diet for the children. Every year I come home with the face of a child burned into my memory and knowing in my heart that he or she most likely won't be alive when I go back the next year. I think it's important to give to missions because we have access to a huge amount of resources that some countries don't have access to. We're commanded to go and tell the good news. That good news can be shared in a number of different ways, whether it's preaching, teaching, providing medical care, or playing sports. I'll continue to support missions and would love to go back one day. I will absolutely continue to support missions. My talents are geared toward medical missions, but I encourage everyone to find their own passion and go to work being the hands and feet of Christ or giving so that others can go. I'm Abby Broadway. And I'm Suzanne Johnson. And we will give to go. Thank you, ladies. I don't know if you guys have heard or not, but coming up on October the 3rd will be our missions uh, give to go offering. And uh, that will go to support all of our mission uh, efforts uh, through the year. So uh, please mark that on your calendar. Uh, also coming up um, in a couple of weeks, we have another big Lindsay Lane Together event. We'll be at Lyons Family Farms, and that will be on October the 17th. And those tickets will be going on sale in a couple of weeks. We'll be uh, looking for that this Wednesday night. We'll be back in here uh, going uh, a little more in-depth uh, with our sermon series, uh, Rhythms. And so be here this Wednesday night at 630, Children's Ministry, Student Ministry will 
be doing their normal activities uh, at 6.30. And also, don't forget about those Talladega tickets. If you're interested, you can scan that uh, QR code on the back of your bulletin, and we're going to have a great day of fellowship there as well. Don't forget, if you uh, filled out co- that Connect card or have any prayer requests that you put on there, drop those in the gray box on your way out. And lastly, I know uh, many of you are wondering, uh, Cream Delight does not close till 9 p.m., and so you've got plenty of time to get there. Uh, but let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for your grace and mercy, and we thank you that we could be in your house today, Father, and as we leave this place today, Lord, we pray that we will delight in you, we will delight in your word and study in your word, and uh, God, just uh, use us uh, as you see fit out in our communities and neighborhoods, Father, and we love you, and we just praise you and uh, honor you today, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.